morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show, presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. And yes, it's a beautiful, warm, sunny Saturday morning somewhere. Sunny and 70, right? Somewhere, just not here in Wichita. It is a colder than you know what out there. But it is what it is. It's uh, It's got to be cold somewhere. I just wish it wasn't here from that part. So, hey, everybody, it's a call-in show, 316-462-3673. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever you want to talk about in the automobile world, you want to talk about racing, hey, I guess Josh said it too. Anybody want to talk more <laughs> about the Salt City Speedway in Hutchinson? Love to talk to you some more answers from questions you might have or whatever from that part. So let's get the phones ringing, 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you. It's the only show I know you get paid to call in, in and every time we get a uh, – Caller on the phone, Josh, what do we give them? So we're going to send out a package. Uh, it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. We're going to use uh, Motorcraft oil and filter products here uh, at Mel Hamilton Ford. While we're performing that, we're also going to complete a multi-point inspection on your vehicle, checking over the brakes, tire, steering, suspension, all the safety-related components on that vehicle. Just making sure that it's geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. Uh, you'll get yourself $10 to Mel's Diner saying get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen for your tires so you get all the benefits that uh, nitrogen has to offer. And then uh, BG Products Package, which consists of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil. And then CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. All right, let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. Morning, Brooke. Morning, Jeff. Morning, Jason. Thanks for joining us. But, uh, hey, anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, you want to talk about anything in the racing world, you want to talk about Salt City Speedway or got some questions about that, love to answer them for you. <clears throat> but let's get the phones ringing. As always, it's only showing you know you get paid to call in on. So 316-462-3673 comes right to the main desk here. The girls just tell me you want to get patched in the podcast, and we'll get you online here with you and get you all fixed up on your questions and help you understand things better, whatever it might be. Josh, you got a video over here on the right-hand side of the other screen. Yeah, we do. So, uh, you know, with this, like you said, the, the colder temperatures, I had a couple of videos, uh, this morning to, to go through some just automotive stuff in this colder temperature. And I think, uh, a lot of people think, uh, you know, if it's, if it's freezing cold, they're worried about, uh, they're worried about their hands or <laughs> their feet or whatever. Something uh, like cold that, right? or, yeah. But, I don't know about you, but I, I've told this man, I hate this weather. I well, hate it. Understand that. Understand that. But I, I don't, I just don't think there's a whole lot of thought process be, behind the automobile and what it's going through in the morning when, uh, when you're asking it to get out of bed when it's, uh, when it's this cold. Uh, for sure, you know, um, and so I've got a couple of videos here. One's uh, about just oil, and there's a pour test at uh, at uh, negative temperatures, and kind of it just shows the flow of it. Uh, it's a pretty simple video, um, for sure. And then anti gel uh, on the diesels and the gelling uh, process on diesels, and and that's a real common thing when you get colder temperatures like we're having today but the the thing for me on the on the poor test is uh thinking about people that just go out and start the car and take off you know uh and don't, don't give that thing a chance to to warm up or get up to to temperature and what uh what that engine has to be going through in those situations for those those first crucial couple of minutes a uh, uh, fire up i yeah. think are, are huge you know I seen a video too on this poor test of negative thirty degrees. It was in the, there for twenty four hours at negative thirty, and they had dirty oil and clean oil, and did a poor test on those two. And it's amazing too. So then, in the, then it rolls into the video, and a guy's arguing about how long it should. Should say arguing, giving his opinion. How about that? Of how long a car should start and run before you take off and drive it. Yeah. And uh, he was under the impression to give it thirty seconds and go, no matter what temperatures or whatever. I have a hard time with that too because of that. But what he was trying to say, hey, good morning, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Anyway, the uh, what he was trying to say is in the cold temperatures, and he's got some legitimate thing to it, but I still don't know that I agree with him. But in the colder temperatures, we're putting more fuel in the cylinders to burn because yeah. it needs more fuel to, in that colder temperatures to run. So his analogy and theory of it is that we're putting more fuel in the cylinders when it's cold and we're just letting it set there idling. So we're washing the cylinder walls down and there's not enough volume of oil getting on the backside of the piston to lubricate the cylinder wall. So he thinks there's more wear than driving the car, getting it warmer, faster, and getting the oil slung up in because RPMs are higher and get the oil slung up into the cylinders. 
I don't know. I still want my oil moving and bleeding before well, I take off. Yeah, I mean, here's the other side of it: is that oil, the uh, you know, with it being colder, the viscosity of it is way, uh, you know, it's going to be way thicker. It's not going to flow to those places. Uh, until it thins out, you know, or has the opportunity to warm up for sure. And so I would want to not have the higher RPM until that oil had the opportunity to me too, to, to be at all those locations. So me, you know, the, the ultimate time or whatever is enough to just get the, my opinion, get the temperature gauge moved. So however long that takes or whatever from that standpoint, but it is from that part. Morning, Delbert. So anyway, you want to play this video yet? Or you? Uh, to, or yeah, we can. If we're going to talk about the oil one first, we could probably go over here to this other one. So I'll, I didn't. So this do, is going to be uh, a didn't do exactly all of my job here. So uh, <laughs> give me just a minute to get a couple of things get set up. So anyway, there, we're going to do a pour test, which you're going to show here, right? Uh, yeah. And show yeah. what the oil's like when it's cold. And uh, to try to figure out what we can do, get this screen up over here and stuff too. And we got a caller coming in too, Josh. So uh, why don't you I'll send and that send send We'll get the caller patch through, and then then uh, we can play the video. Play the, so we're going to do, do a video. How cold is this oil? Do you know? So I think this is the negative twenty. I believe is what is what the temperature is on this deal. So, but let's get uh, let's get Jason on the phone and get him and. Uh, and I don't know why we're doing that. If you want to go through and read who all's on this morning or said said good morning and uh, up on the cast. Send Jason. I think I kind of got everybody. It's on there so okay. far. I think so. Yeah. So anyway, 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you. We'll get Jason patched in here, and then we'll show this video of the negative 20 poor oil test and see how what that looks like. I know what that negative 30 looks like, cold and yeah, so I was actually looking for that video, and I was going to show the the new oil versus the used oil uh, this morning because I did I run across that same that same thing, um, you know. And then the question is, well, what oil do you want in your engine? <laughs> well, I know which one I want in mine. That newer, fresher oil for sure. With it being uh, this cold of temperatures. Anyway, Brooke says her she's kind of at a. I would say loud place and uh, any updates on the partnership with South Hyde, any updates? I'm not sure where we're at with South Hyde. I need to get with Lisa and find out what's going on there, Brooke. Not a hundred percent sure from that part. So we'll, I'll check into that and let you know from that point. Morning, James. I guess we're not going to get him passed through here. We keep kind of pausing and everybody waiting on Jason to get passed <laughs> through. So we'll have to, uh, Morning, James and Jeff wants to know, should different weight or viscosities be ran in colder months versus warm months? Well, years ago, that was true. Oh, we got Jason? Yeah. Yep. We got him on here. So, but you can go ahead and right, answer your question there. Or... Oh, no, let's get Jason okay. going here. We got you're, him on the phone. Yep. You're live. Jason, good morning. You're live with Under the Hood. Morning, guys. Cold enough for you? <laughs> no, I hate it. Yes, it is cold enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate this weather. It's 110 degrees right now, Bill. So yeah, I know. It's four degrees. I literally hit 110 house. degrees right now. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. Yep. So a couple of weeks ago, I called you guys about tires for my truck and stuff. Yep. I got to tell you, I came in last week, and you know, I bought the Michelin Defenders, and dude, I'm going to tell you, that truck has never ran so smooth in its life. The Defenders? Yeah, that's on an F-150. That's my favorite tire. Uh, that you can put on yeah. F-150, and you're right. It changes the ride drastically. Uh, what you don't realize, too, is as your tires wear, and it goes as a gradual wear, you lose a lot of ride comfort and handling and everything else like that. When you put a brand-new set of tires on, it's like a night-and-day difference on those tires and stuff, too. But, yeah, that Michelin Defender, that is my favorite tire for an F-150. Now, if you're going off-road and stuff like that, different deal, because a Defender is not a very – High traction tire, but for an overall use of an F-150, most everybody does. I mean, that is just my favorite tire, for sure. So we got you. You would get a Raptor. There you go. (laughs) There you go. You know, there's a lot of issues with with customers when they drive on dirt roads and that kind of thing or whatever from that part. They might want to do a different tire from that part. But, uh, again, it's uh, that that Michelin is just a a great wearing tire. I can't tell you how many sets of those I put on F-150s. Well, I just want to call and thank you guys for for the uh, recommendation. I appreciate it. No, glad to take care of you, buddy. And uh, we'll keep keep track of those tires for you. And because, you know, every 5,000 miles, we rotate them for you since you bought them from us stuff, too. So uh, just keep us in touch with what we can do for you. I even got the micro package on them. So that was a plus, too. Hey, there you go. Very good. 
Yeah, very good. Um, awesome. All right, guys. You have a good weekend. Thanks. Thank you. you. Thanks. Oh, okay, so back to Jeff's question. Different viscosities in colder months and warm months. Well, Jeff, years ago, yeah, I remember in my dad's shop, we would we would be putting uh, uh, 20 weights in the winter, and we'd be doing 30 weights in the summer, and then we went to the multi-viscosities, and it was a 1040 Pennzoil. I can't tell you how many cans of Pennzoil. <laughs> I stuck a spout in and bruised my hand and everything. Were they the metal cans? cans that, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. We had to spout, you know, church key. Jam, the, jam the spout down in top of the can Okay. and pour it in and go. Uh, yeah, I can't tell you those things I p- punched in. The other yeah. day I asked somebody, I don't even know what it was for. I asked somebody if they had a church key and they looked at me like I was funny. stupid. Yeah. I didn't use a church key too much. So then sure. I walked around and asked like three or four people and I got more, I don't know what you're talking about than I did. Yeah. No, I don't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got one in my toolbox. Do you? Yeah, I think I do. I think I do. You might you might not tell too many people that it might date you a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Jeff, you know, years ago we did that, but now these today with these multi viscosity oils and stuff like that, really not necessary. Uh, everybody want want to know what weight your oil uses is basically every. It's just about every manufacturer puts the weight of the oil they want in that engine on the on the oil cap, but there is stream conditions of cold and there's stream conditions of hot, and they do alter that if you're going to be running in those kind of temperatures or whatever. But uh, for the most of the time around here, all the time from this cold weather to whatever, the, the Baltic viscosities and our still our most popular still is a 530, isn't it? Or is it 520 now? Yeah, 520 is about the, the most common oil. So see, years ago it was a 1040 and we're all the way down to a 520. Yeah. We're almost we're almost at water. Yeah. It's kind of where we're at too. So uh, anyway, thanks for that question. And Bruce Richardson, best service department ever, just had our 2020 Explore service and some great repairs done and experience is fantastic. Hey, Bruce, thank you very much. Appreciate that very much, too. So uh, 316-462-3673. Let's get the phones ringing. Okay, we're going to do a pour test, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah so, so this, uh, is, uh, this is in uh, like negative 20 is what the temperature is on this, and it just shows the different weights of uh, of the oils. And So there's your 030, 530, which is probably what's most common now, but look at how slow that is in negative 20. I'm thinking of a vehicle starting up and trying to get that oil uh, where it needs to get. Trying to get that oil where it needs to get. And then up, put her in drive and go. (laughs) Yeah. You know, from, and then you get up to to some diesel weight oils as well. We have diesel now that have 1030 in them. Isn't that crazy? Look at that difference of the weights. So now you think about that. If you've got that 2050 and you're trying to push that through, it's going to take forever for that oil to get anywhere whatsoever yeah. in that in that video. So uh, the uh, so anyway, that's your core test of these oils, and it's kind of I well, one I saw was negative 30 for 24 hours, and it was old oil and new oil, and it was about the same difference how much that old oil was slower from the 520 to the 030 to 520 from that part, how much a difference it made too. Uh, so we just got to think about that. When you've got your cars, these cold and everything else, you're sitting outside doing that part. And uh, the uh, uh, trying to start your car and get that oil where it needs to go. It's uh, You got to give it a minute. <laughs> you can't just hop in and go for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, the other side of that, if you're at, add sludge into that as the as the oil's used or moisture uh if there's moisture in the oil you know that's just going to make it make it way worse um on being able to get get that oil where it needs to go in these colder temperatures for sure okay yeah aaron i'm going to get to your question here in just a little bit because since what we're talking about jason comes back here and says talking about gelling on trucks which is our next step we want to go to is talking about gelling of diesel fuel and uh basically diesel fuel there is a summer gas and a winter gas of diesel and uh basically if you end up running a summer gas diesel in a winter month you're going to have problems it's going to gel up and basically what it is there's like a wax inside the diesel fuel it goes up just like a solid wax and burns up. That and is so, uh, pretty much exactly what this deal explains over here. So, so. we wanted to play that. So anyway, so Jason says, truckers put in a gallon of regular gas in the mix with the diesel. Would you recommend this? Absolutely not. Yeah. 
Yeah, with today's fuel systems and yeah, that would be detrimental, really bad to to do to put regular gasoline into a diesel from that part. So, Josh, are we ready to play this video? Uh, yeah, I can. We'll go ahead. And anyway, this is this video here is what. Uh, so let's do this. We'll go over here. So this is talking about the different uh, styles of diesel. So if you want to go ahead and enlarge that over there, like this. Yep. Do that. We'll get that up there, and then now come over here and okay, let's play it. Flip this. I'll get this unmuted. And then uh, now you can play that. Stopped it, huh? Yeah, it did. So the rest of it is a is an ad for their uh, for their uh, cooler or warmer. Well, let's get into that. So diesel guys, when it gets to thirty degrees, basically, you need to be putting some kind of an additive in that diesel truck to stop um, the gelling from happening. And uh, of course, I'm recommending anymore now that the sulfur's out of the fuel and stuff like that is putting something in year round in the trucks just to keep them lubricating everything else to that part. Uh, Ford's got their recommendation of cetane boost, I think is what it's called. Yep. Yep. Of what they recommend to be putting in the trucks. Uh, I'm a BG fan. I love their products. I love what it is. My diesel generator, it gets the BG products the put DSC. in it year round. Yep. Uh, but you need to be putting something in these diesels. There's no way around it. But I would, if I have a diesel and I want it to run many, many, many miles, I would be putting the BG products in there of the fuel additive to help protect the pumps, the injectors, and everything, keep it lubricated like it needs to be lubricated from that part. I don't think the average consumer understands or understands the different grades of diesel fuel uh, that are out there. You know, the grade the one and two, and then when you get into the biodiesels, and then also uh, the ultra-low sulfur, and that sulfur and the lubrication that that provided when it was in the fuel, uh, previously. And so, um, you know, uh, the, what we run into most commonly is, Hey, in my vehicle, it's cold. Now it won't start. And at that point, I mean, it's too late to go through and put an anti-gel in it at that point in time after it's already gelled up. It's not going to do you anything. It's not okay. going to do any good. Delbert says our video did not have any sound, Josh. I don't know. Oh, it did not. So anyway, sorry about that. Maybe we can try it again sometime here soon or whatever, but that part. But uh, yeah, well, sorry. At least maybe they saw the video, <laughs> a little <laughs> something going through there or whatever on the on the diesel. But basically, it was just saying basically how the new different diesel fuels are. They all have wax in them, uh, and it will gel at some point at some temperatures. doesn't matter which, what you're at, but that's why I still say you need to be putting a different an additive in the diesel from that part. It's no different than gasoline engine stuff, too, and the BG products we have there for that. I would be putting a can of 44K uh in about every 10th tank or something like that and then i'd be putting moa in every one of my oil changes and stuff too uh but there's all kinds of things we can do some we just need to sit down with you and yeah james anderson said to lost the auto you lost the sound so anyway, <laughs> sorry everybody we're getting too tech on our side well, aren't maybe, we, Josh? yeah uh for that part so any more questions at all on the diesel fuel let us know or hey let's get on the phone it's 316-462-3673 love to hear from you from that part too so uh let's back up to mr where'd it go aaron can we run american racers at hutch well let's talk about if that's where we want to go is if we want to move to the hutch racetrack and talk about that last week we announced our schedule and dates that we have and uh i guess where i want to clarify more than anything about hutch is us getting to the table to get an approval from the fairgrounds in January has put us way behind the eight ball on this racetrack for 2024. We have the dates that I posted. We got another caller coming in, Josh. Work on that. The dates that I posted out there last week, last Saturday, that's the only dates that are available for us to race in 2024. That is it. I didn't get a choice. I didn't get a pick. I didn't get anything at all. Those were the dates that I was presented from the fair that was open for us to go race. Okay. So, Aaron, I'm going to run because of who we are with Hoosier. I'm going to run an IMCA sanctioned track. Everybody got all lit up about that too, and thought from that part, but you got to understand I'm trying to build this track from, from a once a year running race to a eight to nine, possibly 10 races in 2024, weather permitting on some of these races and stuff too. I want to, and my uh, IMCA guys want to be able to get national points with this track. So we're trying to put those races together. Now, if you look on the schedule that I put out there, there's dates after October that are open that we're going to do different things at the racetrack to give everybody a chance to race. So at those races, 
when Aaron are that are coming up after that, we'll have all kinds of ideas. We've already been talking to the racers about what to do in those last few races and dates that we have available from that part. But then in 2025, we'll have a more open schedule, more things we can go do and stuff like that. But I was just so limited in the dates that I could have for 2024. And I hope everybody understands that. Uh, you know, everybody was out there blasting me with saying, hey, I thought we were trying to save the Nationals. No, we were trying to save a racetrack. We weren't trying to save the Nationals. We can't run once a year on a racetrack in the fair board to approve us to let us go race. We have to race more than once a year to keep that racetrack. And I want everybody to understand that. I am trying to save a racetrack. I'm trying to keep places for us to go race. 2025, if we if we prove to the fair board for 2024 that people will we can fill the stands, people want to come and all that kind of stuff, and I can show my numbers in October, we'll be able to put a better plan together for 2025 and 26 and 27 moving forward. I've got all kinds of plans of what I want to do with that racetrack as far as dirt and everything else like that, but I can't afford to take a gamble on a one-year deal to know whether it's going to work or it's not going to work. So in October is my time to sit down with the fair board and say, hey, here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing. Here's my numbers. And are we going to move forward for 25, 26, 27 on board? Then if we do that, then I've got all kinds of ideas and all kinds of things I want to do with that racetrack and uh, make it happen. So, Aaron, for the IMCA tracks, we're going to run Hoosiers, okay, on on those events. But there's going to be some other events where you'll be able to come over and run. Uh, different events and again i've talked to different racers about different stuff about what what we want to run those last few nights and that thing too but again weather's going to be a factor so aaron if you want to call in and got some more questions love to hear from you or anybody's got some questions or want to hear from me whatever love to hear from you anyway you got some callers right josh yeah we do let's go to the phones and let's talk to steve steve you're on live with under the hood good morning good morning i i have a uh 2011 chevrolet impala and was coming home in the cold about three weeks ago or so. Turned the defroster on and it fogged up all the windows. And I'm kind of wondering if it's probably a heater core that might be leaking, but it's not leaking on the floor. And it doesn't look like I'm losing any coolant, but you can kind of smell it a little bit, but not too much. And I wondered if there's a, a way for you to test that without before you tear the dash out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, so, and then I, and then, and then I have a follow-up question. Okay. Um, if it is leaking, uh, leaking coolant, the first thing you do is just run a pressure test on the cooling system. Um, I mean, and it should be, uh, it should be leaking somewhere, whether that's, uh, uh, into the case and then out the drain case outside, um, and it does not take a whole lot of coolant in order for it to uh, produce that type of, of symptom. Uh, but a couple of things we could do, uh, we've got bore scopes where we're able to go up the, the drain of the case or down in the vent to be able to see uh, see if there was any type of coolant leak in there. Uh, but if you're getting the, the coolant odor or smell um, when you have that defrost on and it's, uh, and it's fogging up um, inside, the odds of it being the heater core are probably pretty good uh, for sure. But there's a couple different tests and things we can do to, to prove that out before we just go putting a whole heater core in the thing. Cause that's a pretty extensive job for sure. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to ask was does stop leak fix anything like that? Or is that a permanent? I never did think much of chemicals that are supposed to, supposed to find the, find the leak and fix it. It's like, do they, plug up everything else too yeah that's that's the thing with that there used to be some you know years ago with the older cars and stuff where the patches were bigger and that kind of thing the stop leaking stuff was a great thing but today with our smaller clearances i guess i would say and different things like that the stop leak is not a not a great thing anymore like it used to be years ago man i used to i used to use a lot of it two years ago (laughs) (laughs) it it will be a uh, it will be a temporary resolution to uh to a problem and you will end up compounding and make it way worse. I mean, the chemicals and stuff that they use to, to make that it's basically, you know, something that uh, is going to restrict your flow of coolant to all of the other items uh, and the vehicle as well. And then just the chemical makeup of it on like your rubberized hoses and stuff like that. I mean, I've seen a lot of adverse effects years down the road when somebody adds a, a chemical 
uh, like that to be able to uh, to be a positive thing long term is not. Uh, you may save yourself a, a heater core repair at this point, but what it will cost you later on down the road in, in coolant uh, coolant repairs will be astronomical. Yeah, and I, th- I think the That's other thing, yeah, back in the days too with the other radiators and when we had the metal radiators instead of plastic radiators like we have now and stuff like that, the, the leaks would happen more often. And I mean, I can't, I used to remember we've pulling radiators all the time and send them off to radi- radiator shops and getting them fixed and everything else and bring them back. We don't do that anymore. Uh, it's just part of the ball game how things have changed and evolved and stuff from that part. All right, I sure appreciate the information. I'll bring it out there. Right, yeah, Steve, good. we'll get a diagnostic added onto your package and and take a look at that uh, at no charge to you and figure out uh, exactly what's going on with that heater core because, like I said, that it can be a, a pretty large undertaking on on one of those for sure. So, okay, it is. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day, buddy. All right. 316-462-3673. Anybody else got some questions? Anything all ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything in automobile world? Want to talk more about that diesel fuel that had no audio? (laughs) We just ain't techie enough, Josh. Yeah, I think I... But uh, uh, from that part, but uh, again, uh, 316-462-3673, and we'll answer your questions and get you online here or whatever. Just patch us up and make sure we got it. So anyway, uh, Delbert Allick also wants to know about uh, buying tickets. So uh, I'll talk about that a little bit too. We are working on, I thought we'd have it out by now, but it's taken Big Corner Creative a little bit more time because I have a couple more things I changed on the uh, website and uh, different things. And I met with my race pass while I was down at the Chili Bowl last Saturday and getting that all set up first. And so we're very close to launching everything from the and it will be saltcityspeedway.com. We do have that URL bot, uh, and uh, it'll all be way uh, a Facebook, a YouTube, an Instagram. It'll all be setting out there shortly for you. Uh, everything's going to get linked with my race pass, which is very cool. I didn't know that tool did as much as it does from a racetrack side, so it's great to see everything there that we'll be able to do to keep you updated and all that kind of stuff, too. So that's where you'll be able to buy tickets uh, at saltcityspeedway.com. Uh or you can get them through my race pass, whatever it is to from that part. Uh, so anyway, that's the other reason we're doing all this electronically because I want to be able to have bona fide solid facts that I can go back to the fairgrounds for the fair board in October and show them how many people came, how many pit passes we sold and all that stuff in there to uh, have accurate data and good data that shows the fair board exactly what we did for 2024. So I need everybody that voted for this track, everybody, I need everybody to come help me support this track and help put this thing together and, uh, and show the fair board. They were wrong about wanting to tear down this racetrack. So, uh, let's get the phones ringing. Three, one, six, four, six, two, three, six, seven, three. Love to hear from you. And, uh, from that part. And what was the, what was the first race? April 26th is our first race. Uh, probably the most exciting thing we got going on is going to be the silver crown cars that are coming in July, uh-huh. uh, the 19th and 20th on the 19th, they will practice and we'll have some races on that 19th. Then on the 20th, they will qualify and we will race those cars and we are scheduled. We'll see how it works. We're scheduled for a hundred lapper. Very good. Okay. But I hope we can do that. I'm hoping we have the racetrack dialed in by then. We've got it worked really well. Uh, I'm telling you ready, Josh, I've got a ton of, of uh, excitement with that. I got a lot of people reaching out saying, Hey, they want to help, which is great. So I can't thank everybody enough for everything they're going to put together from tractors to graders, to discs to sheep's foot and then water trucks and everything else in that part. But I got a lot of people reaching out saying we got some stuff ready to go. And uh, so excited for that. So we'll be able to announce some more sponsors and more things coming on with that part of it. Uh, just like I said, getting, had to wait till January to get started on some of this stuff. We're really way behind the eight ball. We should have been doing this stuff back in November, but it is what it is. I'm just glad the fair board voted 13 to zero to let us race in 2024. And now we just got to fill them grandstands and fill those pits full of cars and show them that everybody were excited to go race and, and go make it happen. So anyway, definitely going to be an exciting summer for sure. 
it's just going to be very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> very exciting. So anyway, I hope I answered some more questions there or whatever. If you got some more questions, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to put them in the chat line or you want to get on the phone, of course, you get a great package about over 130 bucks just for calling in and asking a great question, whatever it might be. It's on your mind about anything in the automobile world, anything from that part. Love to hear from you. 316-462-3673. So what, uh, how about the new 24 pickup? 24 F-150? Yeah. We're going to see them here very shortly. Have you uh, seen the okay to buy on that deal yet? Or? No, have not seen the okay to buy it. What that means is that's the trucks that basically they build them, and then once they think they've got a good enough quality on the trucks or whatever, then they basically okay to buy is us dealers buying the trucks. Then once we can buy the trucks, then they are put on railheads and they're shipped everywhere <clears throat> from that part, uh, from that standpoint. So I've got a bunch of them coming. There's a few of them on the website already. Can you kind of see what's coming on the 24s? Mm-hmm. Uh, the high-end trucks, I they did it backwards again. They did it kind of like they did the uh, super duties. They're starting with the lower trim levels and moving up. Uh, but I do have probably 100 of them on the way. Yeah. So new truck, new design, new re- redone and everything else too. So it's exciting to, uh, uh, going to happen. Okay. So Brian Adams, a diesel oil change question. I have a 2011 and a 16 F two fifty, both with the six, seven. Typically they want oil changes around every 7,500 miles. My new 2023 F one fifty. So right now had 8,000 miles on it yet claims it's still at 50% oil life. Did anything change on the 23s that would have made that last longer? Well, first of all, Brian, I, Josh and I are both at the same scenario, and I have been negative about these oil change lights and uh, monitors and all that kind of stuff because uh, it's not testing your oil. It's using an algorithm of how long the engine takes to warm up, how many RPM it's done, how much it's idled, all that kind of stuff to determine that factor. And I'm going to tell you, if you let that diesel go to 16,000 miles on an oil change, you're just taking so much life out of that truck. An oil change is so inexpensive, the best insurance in the world you can do uh, to keep that. And remember, your oil, especially in a diesel, the oil cools your engine more than the coolant does. It does. That's what the oil is doing, is cooling everything off. And if you start letting that oil get thicker, sludge up, carbon, build up, everything else like that. It's going to start killing passages in your <clears throat> in the engine to flow that oil. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i still a firm believer, 5,000 my oil changes because it's just cheap insurance just to keep that oil clean, fresh, and especially with all the, the more carbon and stuff that a diesel produces and stuff too. So... Yeah, the, uh, the other thing on diesels too is you really have to watch your uh, hours. You know the hour meter on, on runtime. You know if it's a if it's a highway truck, probably not as much. But you, we see a lot of times uh, we'll get you know company trucks in here that uh, they're they're going four or five thousand miles in between oil change intervals, but they're running them two hundred fifty hours in between oil change intervals, and you can't do that. I mean that's the equivalent of many more miles. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you you really have to watch your engine hours too. Yeah. So, Brian, I think really on your 23, basically, they've just changed the algorithm on those trucks and stuff that's, to make it that long. But I'm just saying it's detrimental, in my opinion, to let a truck go 16,000, even 10,000 miles is too long on a diesel, even though it's got more oil, more stuff in there. But usually when you got a diesel engine, you're doing what? You're working that truck. That's why you got a diesel uh, from that part. So I would not dare. I mean, even 7,500 miles is is max I would do on a, on a uh, three-quarter or one-ton diesel truck today. So, Jeff Daniel wants to know if my bubble car is going to pace the field. Absolutely not. Nope. Going to stay right there in the bubble, stay clean. Can you imagine I brought that on the racetrack? Those guys will probably just try to hit me. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, no, it's going to stay right in the bubble. I was looking at it last night, Jeff. Had to go out there in the garage and had some guys over, and they thought that we need to go take it for a spin. Well, it takes too much to get it out of the bubble. And remember, I told you I did that on purpose. I made things stacked around it, so it takes too much to get it out. <laughs> so the, the, the ends, it just can't happen. Even if we want to make it happen, it's going to take too oh, long to get it. Oh, we can make it happen. Oh, it can happen. Yeah, just, <laughs> we can make it happen. They were trying awful hard last night to, to get it to go, and no, nope, couldn't happen. So, Well, good deal. We've got a caller on the line, so let's go to the phones and let's talk to Delbert. Delbert, you're on live with Under the Hood. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. How are we today? Doing great. Been a little while. Salt City Speedway. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you coming? I'm going to try. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. We can, we can make weekends work. 
<laughs> yeah, sure can. Sure can. So, uh, I got a little nine year old that'd love to come see those races. Well, yeah, good. you need to get a pit. Well, of course, we're, the other thing we're going to do after the races, we will open the pits up for the guy, for the spectators to come down in the pits and, and stuff and mingle with the driver and stuff, too. But it'd be pretty cool if you got him a pit pass and come down the pits and watch it in action, watch all these pit guys go to work on the cars and what happens inside the track and all that kind of stuff, too. So, uh, you know, we're going to pit inside the track, but I hope we don't have to. I hope we have to not pit inside the track because there's so many cars. we got to pit outside, too, so uh, from that part. But uh, we're going to start pitting inside. Uh, so it would be very cool for him to come down there and check everything out. So I was calling on batteries, by the way. <clears throat> I want to thank you guys for allowing me to have a battery that lasted about eight months longer than it should have. <laughs> when I say that, uh, your service department told me, I think back in June, that I needed a battery. I was getting like 250 cold cranking amps. And last weekend, that very cold weekend, it finally said, nope, I'm not starting no more. <laughs> well, there's a, quite a few batteries have said that today, <laughs> in this week, in last week. So, you know, I just wanted to say that if, if somebody goes to your your shop and you, you tell them that their battery's low, they probably should listen to you, at least if nothing else, save some money up to pay for that battery install. Because this, it's like happen. in my escape, yeah. is a little bit more difficult, but... Um, some, some are really easy. Mine's a little more difficult for some. But, um, yeah, I just went ahead and, and uh, got that new Ford battery, motorcraft battery, put it in there, and she's just as happy as a, as a lark right now. Yeah, and I agree <laughs> with you. It's great about the technology we have today because years ago, we just waited until the car wouldn't start, and then we'd put a battery <laughs> charger on it. We had this whole carbon pile tester. We loaded up, see how much it would hold, and man, we didn't realize how much damage you're really doing to those batteries, even doing that to them. So it's, it's very cool. <laughs> the testers we have today that doesn't put any stress on the batteries or anything. And, and we can tell, so if you got a 600 cold cranking amp battery and she's down to 300 and guess what? It's still starting the car. Cause that's only takes about 250 amps to start your car. But if I've got a 600 and she's at 300, guess what? She's coming out. I want another one in there. So I don't have yeah. to worry about that. So that's, what's <laughs> great about the technology we have today is being able to tell the degrade uh, as uh, a battery degrades. It was known and I was, I was ready for it. It's just a matter of when it was going to stop working. And she didn't drive it all those four days. We had a four day weekend here. Uh, and she didn't drive it. She went to go to work on Monday and it's like, Oh no, it's not starting. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have, there you are ready to go to work out in the cold weather and it wouldn't start. Well, her car sits in the garage, but it still gets cold in there. Yeah. It's not yeah. or anything, but yeah, it's still, which kind of surprised me it, it wouldn't start. At least you, yeah, at least you got to change it, it out in the, cold in the garage then. <clears throat> well, I wouldn't have minded. I just went ahead. Like I said, uh, I looked around, and the only place that had them was one of the four dealerships here, and uh, nobody had any AGM batteries. Here. Yeah. So that's why I say make sure if they tell you, try looking for those batteries because they could be low on stock some places. So. That's very true. Very true. So uh, just make sure that uh, every time we come. But Ford seems to always have everything you need. So that's where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, Delbert. can't get it. So let's talk about the Ford Lightning that they're going to slow the production down. I wonder why that is. <laughs> yeah, well, we all got opinions on that, I think, Delbert, uh, from that standpoint. And <laughs> well, I, I hope get they in- increase the uh the uh hybrids one i hope they increase those well i will tell you in the in the f-150 for 24 they're predicting 70 percent of those trucks to be the hybrid version uh coming out of the fact out of the semi line from that part so that's very cool i I, have a friend of mine that has one of hybrid swords and he loves it (laughs) well and that's just for an example i just i i was in a truck this earlier this week in this cold weather and it was not a um it was just a regular three, five and uh, driving back and forth, working this cold weather. I got 13 miles to the gallon. Okay. So they sold that truck. So I jumped in another one and this one is a hybrid and I got 19 miles to the gallon today. So that's, that's the better advantage that I see of the situation from that part. Tim Daniels thinks the Kool-Aid's out again, once again. <laughs> so. Yeah. The, uh, my friend has a 21 hybrid Ford F-150. So and he. He's pretty friendly. He said 18 mile gallons what he's getting. And that's a yeah. you know, two year old truck. So. Yeah. And the other thing is, is the, uh, in normal temperatures and stuff like that, not these cold extreme deals, in a normal EcoBoost, I would get 16, 17 miles to the gallon. 
in, in a hybrid, I'm going to get 21, 22, 23, somewhere in that part, uh, from that deal, from that part. So, yeah, they're great. I, I really think hybrids is the way they should go for a while until they can get the battery technology improved. I know they're working on it. There's a, well, I don't even think it's, battery they're working on. it's, it's a combination of things to me, Dale, too. You're right. The battery technology to make them longer range and quicker to charge that kind of stuff. But I think we're, we're a long ways from that situation. But the infrastructure of having it have everything set up for people to get the charge when they need it and all that kind of stuff, especially in this cold, cold weather like this today. I've seen so many <laughs> different memes and stuff like that in Facebook posts of people sitting there with their Teslas at the, at the charge stations and can't get home and all that kind of stuff, too, and uh, from that part. So that's that's another thing is having an infrastructure where you can get a charge and get there. But I don't know about you, but if I was leaving on a cold, cold day in an electric car, <laughs> there could be 100% charge before I left. It wouldn't be going unless it was yeah. a good charge and that oh, yeah. thing or whatever. I would make sure I had my trip planned out very very well of where i was going from that part but again don't need to worry about i mean it. i think you know here in like wichita america and oklahoma city america i think we're probably good to, if somebody wants to own an electric car but uh, i wouldn't take it very far in this kind of cold weather at all i wouldn't drive it across country yep yep i get it so anyway there's there's more to come on these electric cars and stuff and where we're going to head where it's going to happen where the demand's really going to be and where the whether the consumers are going to buy them that's that's the next thing is will we buy them will we not buy them or whatever from that part so times a lot of guessing a lot of anticipation for what's going to happen in the next few years with those cars well part trucks. of it was brought on by an administration that doesn't know what they're talking about but. yep <laughs> Afraid so. But otherwise, I mean, otherwise, I think the, the dealers, the dealers, I say dealerships, the manufacturers would have probably come up with their own plan on how to come become electric, all electric, you know, and it would have worked out a lot better than the administration forcing it on everybody. Well, and I agree with that. But uh, another aspect of this too is what our government has to do, in my opinion, opinions like what, what, you know, we all got one. But they've got to relax on this cafe rating that they're making these. It's the corporate average fuel economy that the manufacturers have to have to hit. I get that years ago, making them do that because that made the cars run so much cleaner and more efficient. Well, today, even at the trucks, these F-150s that are getting, you know, 15 to 20 miles to a gallon, they're still running so much cleaner than they were years ago. So we need to worry about putting out clean emissions and not worried about so much of a fuel mileage and they need to back off of that a little bit, but that's what's happened here. The government's come out with this high number and I don't even know what the number is anymore. It was in the forties. And that's why some of the manufacturers are pushing this because it would be if for the stat was out there that every lightning that Ford sold, it would let them make 10 more F one fifties. So that's part of it. But I still think the government's just got to relax on a cafe rate and give these manufacturers a break before we can build the infrastructure to get electric cars a more beneficial and that sort of thing, too. Now, is there, a, is there a niche for electric car? Yeah, I think there is. A person that drives 10 miles a day back and forth and can have a charger plugged in her house, no-brainer. But uh, for I not for you, Delbert, doing the Uber driving and that kind of stuff, not very, not very feasible, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, some people use them down here, but like I said, here I think here in the in the we'll call it the warmer climate that don't really have um, extreme colds very often. I think they're probably good down here, and like in Wichita, but they're going to have to be uh, like you said, starting out fully charged and probably halfway through the day, I'm going to have to go get another charge in this cold extreme. But yep, that's something that they do. They have to deal with. You know, they know that so. Yeah, agree with you. Most 100%. People that all know electric cars use them for just every day back and forth to work driving. Yep, and I drove a I drove a Lightning for like two thousand miles, and uh, my trip is is uh, twelve miles each way, and I had no problem, no problem whatsoever going anywhere for for quite a while. But if I was going to go to Kansas City or whatever. Uh, you got to do a lot of planning. Got to <laughs> make sure where you're going to stop. Make sure where you stop. You're going to have something to do for a little bit to charge up to get there from that part. But uh, yeah, hopefully, at least points got a charging station at Topeka. But <laughs> yeah. I think Topeka does have a charging station. Yeah, yeah. There's a few. It's it's getting better and all that kind of stuff too. But I think that's just a combination of everything. For this is all going to happen. Is it's got to get more places to charge. The technology has got to get a little bit better so we can take a charge faster. But the other thing is, is on the, what they're telling us so far in this battery technology is the faster you charge the battery right now with the technology we have, you're doing damage to the battery. So the slower you can charge them, the better for that deal. 
from that standpoint. So we've got to get our batteries better and all that kind of stuff too. Hey, I seen the other in the shop uh, last week. I seen Cole. He had one apart, yep. replacing cells in one. So yep. there, there's all, there's all yeah, yeah, right. So, so at least it's repairable on and not being able to replace the whole battery and that kind of thing too, which is kind of cool. So anyway, Delbert. All right. Well, I'll let you guys get somebody else, hopefully, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. You guys have a great day at Melhamson Ford. You too, Delbert. Cars, you too. Enjoy your day, guys. Thank you. Thank you. you. Too. Bye. All right. Destin, why is the 10-speed behind the 50 F-150 more spunkier than the 6-speed? Jeez, I have a loaner, and it's the moment, and I said, whoa. <laughs> kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of crazy what that 10-speed does to those trucks. That uh, It really brings them to life, and uh, – I think a lot of it is just you can have so many more different gear ratios and that sort of thing in that truck that yeah. the thing that still amazed me with that 10 speed is you just don't even feel it shift. It's, it's that cool at everything else from that. Well, part. and just because it's, there's 10 gears there. I mean, the computer is going through and based on load and acceleration and everything like that. I mean, you're, you could go from first to fourth or, you know, yeah. uh, depending on what you're doing and yeah, all that kind of stuff too. What's, what's going on. But yeah, it's very smooth operation for sure. So Dustin, it sounds like it's time for an upgrade for you is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it does. It's a, it's when they first come out with those 10 speeds, it was <clears throat> night and day different Then when they put them in the super duties. I mean, it was really night and day different on a super duty. You put that 10 speed in behind those trucks too. So, uh, but I think a lot of it is it's just all the different gear ratios that you can put in those trucks from that standpoint too. So, Okay, Josh, what, uh, we're about out of time, about out of stuff, and I uh, hope we've answered everybody's questions and stuff. But uh, if we've got a few minutes left here, if you want someone to jump in here, 316-462-3673, or got something in the chat line you want to hit me with, real quick, love to hear from you. Um, but uh, other than that, Josh, uh, it's cold out. Everybody, make sure you're keeping your – warm your cars up. I'm saying warm them up for at least, in this cold temperature, three to five minutes. Before you take off, we showed you the poor test. If you got a diesel, please get some additive in that diesel so it stops from gelling up. Yep. And please don't go over 5,000 miles on, an, on a gasoline engine and don't go over 7,500 miles on a diesel engine for, for maintenance from that part. And always, always be putting something in that diesel. Make sure she's not going to gel up on you in that time frame either. So uh, anyway, anything else, Josh, before we... I think, uh, you know, it's been forever. We did the last couple of shows, and I'm not sure that we went through sponsors or anything like that. Yeah, Delbert sure, said the but... same thing, too. <laughs> oh, hey, we got a caller. We got Greg on the line. So you just get Greg patched in here. Him. We'll get him real quick. But, uh, yeah, yeah, all right. We got some great sponsors. And, again, uh, Big Corner Creative getting everything ready to go for the Salt City Speedway. So be. I was hoping to have it out this week, but I, I put the – I put the, a little delay in there for some of the things I want to change on the site and that kind of stuff, too. So saltcityspeedway.com. Uh, it will be a Facebook page, an Instagram, a YouTube, and also the, the web page will be up. So be ready for that, too. So uh, who we got coming on? Uh, we got, uh, we're getting Greg patched through Greg, here. So. Okay. Yep. Okay. Jeff Daniel, drive mode slippery, puts it in 4A. Is that engaging for all the time or it's needed? Used first time and it felt like it was engaged. When you put it in four auto, because you got to remember what auto, when a four-wheel drive is going, your front tires are turning just a little bit faster than your rears to help you steer the car and that sort of thing. And that's why auto came into play. Because if you put it in four-wheel drive all the time, it couldn't handle the the extra stress that that front wheels was putting on the transfer case. So they came up with auto mode, which will engage and disengage it as it needs it by slipping modes and everything else that it reads off the traction control and that sort of thing too, Jeff. So I went cover that pretty fast enough. We're gonna be having him patched through here, and here we go. Yep, we'll get uh, get him on here. So let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Greg. Greg, you're on live with Under the Hood. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good. Uh, I called a little bit. I have a four and a six year old. Um, I've called in before and talked about how nice it is to have Wi-Fi in the vehicles, but as applied to your uh, Salt City Speedway. I, I guess I'm, I've taken my kids to things like monster trucks. What are you, what are you planning for um, fan engagement, especially with the younger folks? Because I've never been to the races with my kids. What do you have planned? What do you have in the works? Well, we've got a lot of things in the work there. That's one thing Lisa knows how to do is throw a great party. We have, have a lot of events here at the dealerships and stuff, but there, there is going to be some things there. Uh, I've got to get a get approval for everything that I do there at the fairgrounds and stuff too. But uh, we're talking about having face painters. We're talking about balloon guys. We're talking all that kind of stuff there to 
to have fun with those kids. But I agree with you. We have to entertain the young kids and get them excited about going to the races, too. It can't just be sitting and watching cars going in circles when they're that young and stuff, too. But we do have some things in in, in the making, in the works, and talking about what all we can do there. Uh, but we are going to have some fun stuff for the kids because I get it. They got to be entertained. They got to have some fun, too, while we're watching the races, right? Right. That's exactly why I was calling because I thought, you know, we haven't talked about it yet. I mean, I get the whole, you know, go fast, turn left, but, <laughs> you know, little kids, if we're going to make it a family thing, you know, where I may enjoy watching go fast, turn left, but the little ones, yeah, uh, it's a different story. <laughs> no, I get it. I understand anyway, 100%. So, no problem. Thanks for calling. Great question. And, uh, like I said, there's a lot of more announcements coming and stuff, things we're going to do and stuff. And, uh, there at the situ- at the Salt City Speedway, so it'll be fun. All right, thank you. All right, have a good Bye. day. It sounds like your kids are a little riled up there. Yeah, they're ready they to go. So, uh, yes, Dustin, what we did a few years ago with the car giveaway, that kind of stuff, it was it was a great fun time. Uh, is that in the works too? We're talking about that too, of doing another car giveaway and that sort of thing too, stuff, but. Uh, we have a lot of stuff on plans. We just got to get this first year through our belts and show the fair board they were wrong about t- wanting to tear down that racetrack. And once we show them that, uh, Katie, Katie barred <laughs> the door for 25, 26, 27. And then I can get some better dates. I can get some better, more dates and that sort of thing than get some dates that I want to race, not when only dates that are available, that sort of stuff too. So uh, a lot of things in the works, a lot of stuff ready to happen. So stay tuned for more at the Salt City Speedway in Hutch. So uh, anyway, real quick, we're running out of time, everything else too. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for all the questions, all that good stuff. Hope I answered everybody's questions very well. We will, uh, we got to thank our sponsor, which is Big Corner Creative, who's getting everything ready to go for the webpage, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube channels ready to set up for that part of it. But again, if you need anything for your company, any kind of advertising, whatever, Big Corner Creative is there to help you get anything put together from vehicle wraps, window wraps, race car wraps, window tent, whatever it is to help make your company more profitable. And of course, uh, BG product. We've talked a lot about them this, today of the great things we do uh, with BG. Uh, again, this week, they took a couple cars and it's fun to see those cars come back with the test results and things they've done of, with their products and stuff too. So if you want to keep your cars running many, many more miles, BG products is the thing to do. And again, uh, if you're looking for a rental car, a 12 or 15 passenger van, give Stan a call right inside here at Melham Ford at uh, Go to Rent. And uh, Tiffany wants to see electric racing. It's been so fun to watch in 2023. So, hey, okay. There you go. <laughs> so, anyway, everybody, hey, have a try to stay warm, stay cool, and uh, we will talk to you next Saturday, 9 o'clock.